Good morning. Yes, it is now Hannah Leander. I am still getting used to that, so if you haven't met my husband Casey, he's awesome. Um, I'm so grateful to be with you guys this morning, and honestly, I'm so grateful for just the music and for that prayer, Nathan. I feel like it's really fitting with what I want to talk with you guys about, which is worry. So you might be thinking one of two things, like, oh, yes, please talk about worry. I'm so overwhelmed. Just tell me what I need to do. Or you might be thinking, oh, please, not another sermon that's telling me not to be worried when I already feel like a failure in that area. Which is exactly how I felt this past Sunday uh, when I saw that the sermon was gonna be on worry. To be open with you all, worry and anxiety have been something that I've actually experienced and wrestled with throughout my life, some seasons more than others. And in the last couple of weeks, I've actually just really been struggling with a lot of worry and anxiety. And to be honest, I've been grappling with this chapel and whether or not to stick with this topic because I was really hoping to have come on the other side of it by the time I talked with you all, so that maybe I could offer some like grand conclusion of how to overcome this. Um, but I'm not fully out of it. Uh, still kind of wading through some of the waters of worry. And I'm really grateful that my pastor Chris talked about worry because it was not only confirming that I needed to see this through, um, but the way that he presented God's word was really hopeful and it has really helped to shape what I wanna talk with you guys about. So disclaimer, I will not be able to provide a cure, but what I can offer is what God is teaching me in this season. And through this, if anything, I hope that if you are struggling with worry and anxiety and fear, that you would just know that you're not alone. And it can be so easy to think that everyone else has it together and that you're the only one who's unraveling. But I know for a fact that the words worried, stressed, and anxious have been uttered not just a few times this week, but probably by the majority of this campus. Maybe you're feeling worried about classes as tests and midterms approach. Maybe you feel worried about finding that summer job or internship. Maybe you feel worried that you haven't found a friend group yet. Maybe you're worried about tensions in your family or you're worried about some unresolved health issue. Maybe you're worried about current events. How will this war impact us? And maybe you just feel worried and you don't really know why. And I just want to acknowledge that I see it. I resonate, it's real. And even though it's common, I think it's difficult to know what to do with it. And so before I dive in deeper, I really want to pray because worry and anxiety feel like a very sensitive and tricky topic. People experience worry for a variety of reasons. I think sometimes it flows from our thought patterns, maybe choices, sin, or rough theology. But sometimes it is due to the brokenness of life, past painful experiences, or mental and physiological challenges. And the last thing I wanna do is to dismiss anyone. Because worry and anxiety is not merely a spiritual issue, and it's not merely a psychological or physiological issue. We are body, soul, mind, and spirit. And one of our responsibilities as Christians is to learn how to integrate each of these aspects of our being and work through worry holistically. And so while I can't speak to everyone's experience, I just have to look to the words and wisdom of Jesus who can. So before we open God's word, would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you would just go before me this morning 
and help me to communicate your truth in a way that is clear and helpful. There is no way that I will be able to speak into this topic um, in a way that does justice to it. And so I pray that you would stand in the gap and that you would be glorified. Amen. I want to open to a very familiar passage this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 6. We're going to look at Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Follow along with me. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. So lately, I've gotten really into pickleball. Some, yes. Some might say obsessed. I like the word passionate. Um, I've been playing uh, since like July. And as I've been playing, I've been just realizing how competitive I am. I used to think that I was a pretty good loser and I didn't get upset. I know Casey's laughing. It's not true. I'm a terrible loser. Um, There are times when I'm like off my game, I'm missing shots, making dumb mistakes, and I just start to spin. And there are a couple of moments where Casey will pause and very patiently be like, hey, like, relax, you know, don't worry about it. Just like have fun and like do the basics. And what's crazy is that that really is the key. Like when you relax and stop worrying so much and I stop beating myself up, I do well and I have more fun. But in my head and unfortunately what comes out of my mouth is I'm not worried, I am having fun. Like this is great. I get frustrated because the more I worry about it and the more I think that, like, I will inevitably lose. And sometimes when I read this passage, I feel similarly. Jesus is gently saying, like, don't worry about it. And I know in my head that it's true, but I start to feel a defensive. I'm like, I'm not worried. Or I feel a little discouraged because sometimes I'm trying so hard not to worry and I still feel it. And I know the truth logically. I know it's better for me not to worry but it's hard to believe and practice it when my body is shaky and my emotions are sitting at the forefront of my eyes. I get frustrated because sometimes I don't know how to not worry and I ask myself, what does it mean to obey this command when I am praying, when I'm seeking counsel, when I'm reading the word, when I'm reminding myself what what is true and yet I still feel worried? What do I do with that? And I honestly don't fully know the answer, but I have to start with what I do know. And what I do know is this, that this command is not a military order. God is not shouting with a stern voice like, stop worrying. Rather, this command is given as an invitation to our whole selves to trust God, to experience his protection, 
and to rest in his leading and direction. And so instead of being frustrated with ourselves for feeling worried, I wonder if we can start by asking some basic questions. What are you worried about? Why do you think you're worried about it? What does that worry do to you? How does it manifest in your life? What does God say about that particular worry? And this sounds so basic, but if you're like me, I often don't wanna answer these questions. I don't wanna face them. I don't want someone to think I'm dumb for having some of these worries. I don't wanna admit the impact that they have on my life and the life of others. And yet avoidance doesn't ever lead to healing and freedom. And I think asking these questions is one way that we take our thoughts captive and we lay them before God. As I've been sitting with this passage and walking through some of my own just waves of worry, I've been trying to answer some of these questions. And I've identified um, that there are three areas of worry that seem fairly prominent in my own life, and I'm guessing in the lives of those around me. And they are worry about what others think, worry about the future, and worry about pain and suffering. And note that at the root of all of these worries, there's often a desire that is good and right. The desire to have good friends, the desire to plan for a future, the desire to experience comfort are not bad. But sometimes these desires become misordered, maybe through control or fear or negative experiences, and it can give birth to worry, and it can twist these desires. So when we look at the first one, the worry about what others think about you, I want to acknowledge that there's a difference between caring about what people think about you and worrying about what people think. We are called to care about what people think. Otherwise, we're just narcissistic and arrogant. To think about what other people think is we respectfully consider their perspectives and opinions. We want people to like us. We want to develop friendships that are built on mutual enjoyment. When somebody does not think well of us, we should ask why. Did we do something to hurt or offend? Is there an area we need to ask for forgiveness? And those are good things to consider. They help us to build healthy communities and relationships. But sometimes when our care for others is not flowing out of a love for God and neighbor, it can start to take on the form of worry. And I think worrying about what others think has its roots in some very real fears. Often the fear of rejection and the fear of loneliness or the fear of not being desired or found worthwhile. And when these fears are given full reign, they can lead to insecurity and control, and they just perpetuate worry. We start to turn our gaze inward and we become consumed with our image and likability. We feel the pressure to make sure that we don't appear too needy, too nerdy, too silly, too skinny, too big, too spiritual, not spiritual enough, and it's exhausting. And so why do we do it? And it's often because we don't want to be rejected or alone. When I become worried about what others think, I go into my head and my brain starts turning. I start replaying conversations and turning over different scenarios. I struggle to listen to people when they're talking. I struggle to ask questions because I'm lost in my thoughts. And it actually keeps me at a distance from fully engaging those relationships. It leaves me feeling more lonely. When I'm worried about what others think, I lean into perfectionism. I seek to present a spotless image of myself, and I struggle to admit and confess my sins. I try to justify behavior and make excuses when I mess up, because in my mind, I think that somehow that would preserve the relationship more than being honest. And I forget 
that it's actually through the acknowledgement of my sin and repentance that I was brought into deep and lasting fellowship with Christ. It's our sin that separates it, but it is confession and repentance that unites us to Christ. And so when we worry about what others think, we can start to silence convictions and we hustle for acceptance. So we laugh at that crude joke and we go along with the gossip. We struggle to speak out against injustice and the misinterpretation of scripture. We fear not being seen as loving or coming across as judgmental, so we turn a blind eye to our friends' destructive and potentially harmful decisions. We avoid telling a friend when they've hurt our feelings or sinned against us because we don't wanna make them upset. We don't wanna feel petty, which often leads us to feel more distant and potentially bitter. We worry as to whether people find us valuable so we overcommit in an attempt to make ourselves indispensable, leading to poor boundaries and often burnout. We become self-conscious, and so we stop trying new things, meeting new people, and we can neglect using the giftedness that God has given us to bless others and glorify him. So how do we begin releasing these worries of what others think? And I wanna get into that, then I wanna talk about the second worry of, of worry first. And the second area of worry that I find myself wrestling with is the worry about the future. And hear me say there is goodness in thinking and planning for the future. We are created with a purpose and callings that drive us towards the future. And I'm gonna talk more about that later, but often the worries about the future come in the form of the what ifs of life. What if I don't meet my best friends in college? What if I don't get asked out on a date? What if I don't get good grades? What if I can't find a roommate for next year? What if I don't get married? What if I can't have children? What if I don't get that summer job or internship? What if I don't ever get a job? What if I don't graduate on time? What if I lose my job? What if I fail? What if I leave my straightener on and burn down Andreas and kill my residents? <laughs> I, I only wish that wasn't a real fear, but you can just ask my RAs how many times I text them to ask them to check on that. I think Cassie Wood like, has a key to my apartment right now because she's done it so many times. And in all serious though, um, I think that the main what if, right? The what if that I think feeds the other what ifs is the what if I'm not enough. What if I'm not enough? When we fear the answer to that question, we look to relationships, jobs, money, grades, and success to pad our identity and secure our happiness. We worry that we will never be fun enough, pretty enough, tough enough, smart enough, fast enough, good enough, so we take control and we spend all our time, money, and resources to secure the good life, a life that will not require us to deal with whether or not we are enough. And as I've looked to scripture and what the words of Jesus claim for me, I've concluded that I'm not enough. On our own, apart from Christ, you and I are not enough. And that is actually good news because Christ is enough so that we don't have to be. But the reality is you and I live in a world that preaches the idea that you alone plus more stuff will be enough to fulfill you. And the pressure of that ideology is leading to so much more fear, so much more worry. And it can actually, in some ways, like it leads to death. God never asked us to be enough. That was a burden we were never supposed to bear. God sent his son to die on a cross so that we would be united to Christ. We are declared his beloved, his workmanship, his children, and that is enough. And when you live out of this truth, it allows you to both plan for the future and rest in the present. 
And this leads me to the third area of worry, the worry of pain and suffering. This one is really hard because I've just been wrestling with it in my own life. And I know I'm not the only one. I think we all worry about pain and suffering to some extent for a variety of reasons. Some of us have experienced past pain we never want to repeat. Some of us have witnessed suffering in a way that we would never want to emulate. And most of us are just normal humans who just want to avoid suffering. The reality is that pain and suffering were never meant to be. They are the results of the fall. And so it's normal for us to resist them. So what do we do when we start to worry about them? And I wish I had the answer to this, but to be honest, I'm still working through this. And so here's kind of what I'm learning. To give you a little background first, on a surface level, I do not do well with pain or medical situations. I have a very weak constitution to the point that even talking about blood or injuries or looking at a bandage makes me nauseous. I don't even like to look at my own paper cuts. I am weak. (laughs) And so when a medical issue happens, I start to notice every pain or abnormality in my body. I go to a place where I turn so inward, analyzing every part to where I'm like, is that a freckle or cancer? Has that lump always been there? Am I going gray prematurely or have I just been an RD for seven years? And sometimes my spinning impedes my wisdom and logic, the wisdom to pay attention to something and seek medical attention and when to think logically about symptoms and rule out WebMD. And on a more personal level, in the past couple of weeks, I've just been dealing with some health issues. And to be honest, it's been the fodder for a lot of worry and anxiety in my life. And even though the test results have ruled out some of the worst case scenarios, I've still just been struggling with the unknown. And I went to go share this with Stephanie from Menti the other week, and I kept saying, like, I don't understand. I don't know why I'm going through this. I feel really overwhelmed. I know God is in control. I know he is good. And she gently stopped me, and she said, you know, Hannah, I think it's okay for you to just tell the Lord that you're scared and tell you that you need his help to trust him. And honestly, it helped. It didn't take away all the feelings of worry, but it helped me to just be honest and to remember that I'm so dependent on the Lord. And about a week later, I was talking with one of my friends and colleagues, Sarah Erickson, and just processing some of these health things that were going on and some of these worries and fears. And she said, what's the worst case scenario? And as I named them, she said, and do you believe that God is bigger than those things? And honestly, I wish I was like, yes. And then all those fears vanished. But rather, I broke down, and I was like, oh, man, I want him to be. I know that he is, but I just don't feel that way right now. And she graciously responded by telling me, like, it's okay. Me naming that doesn't show weak faith, but it's naming another place that I need to ask the Lord to help me in surrendering. Sometimes we have to follow our worry to the end. We have to identify the root, face it, and ask the Lord to help us believe that he is bigger because he does, he cares for us. It says in our passage that he cares for the birds and the flowers, how much more will he care for you? And I think the hard part of that passage is that we hear God say that he cares for the birds and the flowers. In reality though, some birds die and flowers wither. God tells us that he will be with his people and provide for all their needs, but sometimes it feels like that's not true. 
So after our sermon on Sunday, I went up to my pastor and I was like, what do we do when it feels like God doesn't provide a need? And his answer was both helpful and still hard. He concluded that God has a specific story and he has a plan for each person. And the, and the Lord promises that he will provide for the needs of each per person according to the plan he's written for them. And that means that provision will look different for each person, but he does provide. And the comforting part of that response is that it, it follows suit with the promises that God has made. The difficult part is that there's no way out of pain and suffering in this life. And it's gonna look different for every person. But Jesus didn't say like, don't worry and be happy. He says, don't worry, but he also says a few verses back, blessed are those who mourn. Lamenting is an appropriate response to pain and suffering. It leads to honesty and vulnerability with the Lord, drawing us in closer relationship with him. It causes us to look to Christ, who is alone our hope. There's no silver bullet answer of how to completely master and overcome worry. Again, everybody's story and the spectrum by which you experience worry is different. Remembering that we are holistic beings, there might be situations in which seeking medical treatment and counseling are needed to help stabilize our hearts and our minds and our bodies so that we can work through these areas. And so along with that, I wanna share even just three truths though that the Lord has been teaching me that have helped to just orient my mind and my body to help me work through these places of worry. And the first one is just simply to remember that God loves you and that he cares for you. If you will walk away with anything from this talk, I just want you to remember that he loves you. He sees you in whatever you're going through. He cares for you. He considers you far more valuable than you realize. The second truth is to develop a fear of the Lord. We've heard this phrase so many times without fully knowing what it means or how to apply it. In his new book, You're Only Human, Kelly Capick writes, living in the fear of the Lord is not so much about being scared, though sometimes that is an appropriate response, but about recognizing God's real presence all about us. From our rising to our lying down, from our food to our sexual encounters, from our laughter to our intellectual hopes. It's recognizing his presence. And I encourage you to try to look up and out from yourself to look for the presence of God. See him in the people around you. See him in your plans for the future. See him in the midst of pain and suffering. And with that, I have to say, you will not recognize his presence if you don't know what he looks like. And so I encourage you to familiarize yourself with the person and work of Jesus through his word and through those around you and his church. And lastly, Seek the kingdom of God. Verse 33 tells us, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I think that worry often occurs when our end goal is comfort. This doesn't mean that comfort is bad or that we shouldn't desire it. But when it is the end goal, when our gaze is fixed on our idea of comfort, we will most likely be left disappointed and worried and will actually miss out on experiences of comfort and joy along the way. But when the end goal is something greater than ourselves and our own comfort, when our end goal is the kingdom and his righteousness, then it reorients how we experience and hold desire, disappointment, comfort, and pain. Seek the kingdom helps us to look out from ourselves and our worries and to remember our purpose and our calling. 
which is to love God and neighbor. Will you pray with me? Lord, I do pray that you would just heal these places of worry and remind us of your love and your presence. Help us to trust you and seek the kingdom. Amen.